Let's get this thing rocking and rolling. Everybody, welcome back. One of my favorite guests of the Golf Guide podcast. A return guest. What would this be? Six times over? Five times over? How, how many episodes of the Golf Guide podcast have you been on here, Christopher Durr? It's got to be right around four or five, dude, and it's good to be back. I like I like our uh, I like the the fact that I'm a recurring guest on this show because I'm a enormous fan of the Golf Guide podcast and an even bigger fan of you, Kyle. Oh well, thank you, man. Well, hey, in return, the Golf Guide, you know, Empire, and also the Golf Guide podcast is a big fan of the No Gimmies podcast, which of course you are the host of. Uh, so if anybody who is listening to this podcast is not subscribed to No Gimmies. Get your life together and go do it now. Oh, I say finish listening to this podcast and then go describe to No Gimmies. Or if you're good at multitasking, you can do one while listening to the other. But anyway, Christopher, what uh, what is new in the land of No Gimmies, my friend? Nothing right now, man. It's been it's been it's been good playing a lot of San Diego golf. The major season is wind has wound down, and and I'm having a hard time finding uh, any excitement in the playoffs, dude. I'm just really I'm really having I'm, I'm having trouble getting hyped. You know, I feel like the PGA championship ended and, and, and now I just feel like the golf season is over until the Ryder cup. And, and I've been racking my brain trying to figure out what the PGA tour could do to try to make these FedEx cup playoffs a little bit more exciting. And of course I'm just spitballing a bunch of random ideas, but I, I feel like there's gotta be something, man. Cause it just doesn't, I don't think I didn't watch much of Ridgewood last week and Ridgewood's a great golf course, you know, and it still didn't really attract me to be like, oh, let me see what's going on this weekend on the tour. You know, how about how about yourself, man? Did you been watching any of the uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs? You know, I, I'm uh, happy and also sad to report that I watched exactly zero of Bryson DeChambeau's victory at the Northern Trust last weekend. I, you know, haven't just gotten back from a, uh, you know, a little six week uh, sabbatical slash honeymoon. You know, I, I just had a boatload of shit to catch up on. So I unfortunately did not have time to watch any golf. But had I not been that busy, I got to admit, man, I would have rather been out playing golf than than watching the tournament on TV, which is, you know, actually it's, it's a great place to start, man. So with the FedEx Cup playoffs now kind of really hitting their stride, I think there's only three tournaments as part of the playoffs this year, correct? There's four tournaments. Four. They still have the, the four. They had last week the Northern Trust. They got Dell this week. I don't know what the third one is called, and then they have the tour championship uh, at East Lake. Standard, standard so, protocol. So where, of course, your your boy Xander Schofel will try to defend his uh, 2017 title. Yeah, and and he's had a good year, just hasn't won. But um, but yeah, I'd love to see Xander try to sneak one out here in the next couple of weeks. I think that'd be fun to watch, and and I'm obviously just pulling for that guy all the time. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Well, okay, before we even jump a little bit more into the FedEx Cup playoffs, just a quick question for you, my friend. What is more entertaining? to you just in your personal opinion the players championship in either march or in may has it's always been or the fedex cup playoffs the players i think it's got to be the players the, the fedex cup playoffs just seem so drawn out and i don't really they keep wanting to whittle it down you know the field size week by week and and i don't i don't feel that stress or i don't feel like the drama of like oh man who's in who's out you know like the that's a that's a big thing in the NCAA tournaments man they're always talking about who's in who's out like last in last out and and for this playoffs i'm just like kind of i could it doesn't really matter honestly until you get down to to the final 30 so so i'd say the players for sure just cuz i mean you have 16, 17, and 18, which are for sure going to stir up drama. They always do unless someone runs away with it like Webb did this year. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's that course also has a, a 
it's got a track record of doing that. You know, people run away with the players. It happens often. You either get a bunch of leaderboards or you get some dude that just plays better than everyone else, like Jason Day did in 15 and, and Webb Simpson did this year. You know, it happens It happens often enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about that same question to myself, and I completely agree with you in that I think the players is a more entertaining tournament than any any leg of the playoffs or even the playoffs as a whole. And I think that kind of illustrates the problem right there, man. That is a non-major in May is more significant to most golf fans than the goddamn playoffs. <laughs> like, like it, it, when you say it out loud, it seems way crazier because you think the Players' Championship, oh, yeah, that's a big tournament. But, like, these are the playoffs, man. Like, in every other sport, you know, obviously golf is not every other sport. It's an individual sport, and, you know, the, you're obviously trying to get a low score instead of a high score. There's, there's plenty of reasons why golf is different and better than every other sport out there. However, the playoffs are supposed to be important. And, and as you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, they just kind of art so that being said i want to hear what your take is on possibly one or two things they could do to improve the playoffs and then i'm actually going to jump into a couple things that i've been reading uh both from golf.com and golf digest where they've been talking about uh some proposed changes to the fedex cup playoffs to hopefully actually get them to not suck quite so much so for, first of all what's what, what's your take on how we can make the fedex cup playoffs better so this is my the in my opinion the best idea I've had so far after you know throwing a bunch of spaghetti on the wall and seeing what's stuck. Uh, I think that the best way to do it. So right now it's four events, uh, four full events, four round events. So you get sixteen rounds making up the playoffs, and every four rounds you cut the field. Right, you take uh, goes from one twenty five to one hundred to seventy to thirty. Well, I, I like the idea of fields getting cut, but I think it should be much more penal because like what the the big fear of the playoff is that you wasted your whole season and lose one game. You know, like baseball's got the sudden death playoff one okay. game for the wild card. Uh, the NFL, you know, you get your number one seed. They get the first round by, but, you know, they could still lose, you know, and then your whole, you know, you could go 14 and two and lose in the conference and not even the conference championship. You could lose in the divisional round like my former football team the san diego chargers did many a times to the jets you know and yeah r.i.p and it's 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 like it's the the gravity of that situation happening of all the hard work of your season going away is i think what makes the playoffs so so scary and so volatile and so fun in other sports and i think golf could adopt that by just shortening our playoff season like our playoff season is a month and it's 16 rounds, essentially. Imagine if I, I like the idea of having less guys make the playoffs. So instead of 125 guys make the playoffs, let's say you have simple. Let's just to keep it simple. Let's say you have 100 guys make the playoffs and the playoffs consist of eight rounds. Or let's say you could even go real cutthroat. You could do like I like I kind of like eight rounds because that gives you four cuts. But then you could do eight rounds played uh, four and four with cuts happening like every maybe like every two rounds. So you just shorten it all. So you go like okay, the first two if the first like the first four rounds, I guess you could say you could play Hold on, let me try to let me get my thought okay. organized here. We're doing this thing all on the fly. So if you got to do a little, you know, a little mental computation here on the podcast, I I think the, I think the listeners are really going to enjoy hearing the mental calculator going. So don't don't worry about a thing, my friend. So you play 100 guys, and then the first two rounds, you cut it down to 70 guys, let's say. So after the first two rounds, 
Whoever's bottom 30 on the leaderboard, no matter their FedEx Cup number, gone. You're out. Go home. Your turn. Your your playoffs are over. Then the next two rounds are 70, and then you can cut that 70 down to 50. And it's the same thing. It's like, listen, you're, the scores stay the same. It's like a marathon. So you're still at, leader's still at 10 under, winner's still at, or, you know, cut line is still at one under, whatever it is you want to do it. But then another two rounds, boom, cut it again down to, down to 50. Another two rounds, cut it again down to 30. And then the final two rounds, the scores start over. You're back to zero. And it's a two-day shootout with the 30 best players in the world. And whoever wins, wins the FedEx Cup. I think that's, I think that like the season can, because you don't like, consistency shouldn't matter in the playoffs you know like that's that's the whole point of the playoffs that you have you know the the consistency is valued in the regular season and that's what gets you to the playoffs but the playoffs are all about winning by any means necessary you know it can be ugly it could be scrappy it could be however it is that you want to do it you just have to survive in advance you know so i think the coolest way to do that would have it be a little bit more cutthroat and a little bit quicker and then have the first six rounds be like a marathon like one long tournaments split up split up in two round segments in which you cut it off from there and then the final two rounds would be everyone start from scratch everyone starts at zero winner take all okay so those first six of the eight rounds though basically everybody's you know there's no resetting i mean your score just keeps going it's basically like a large what would that be 72 plus 36 70 108 hole basically tournament to thin it down to 30 with two different cuts happening in there am i am i following right Three, so you'd get three different cuts, or two different cuts. Yeah, you'd get two different cuts. You'd get 100 to 70, 70 to 50, and then I guess three, 50 to 30. So there'd be three cuts every two rounds for the first six rounds, and then the final two rounds would be just slate wiped clean. Let's see what happens. And then you could do it, so you could you could even do it as like, I don't know, I think the best way to do it would be like two, 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 and two, and then you could host it like, you could host it at, a city that's got a lot of good golf. Like you could do it at Philly. And so like, okay, the pole pl- this year, the playoffs are going to be in Philadelphia and they're going to play four different courses in Philadelphia that are all right there in the area over the course of the next, I guess you could do 10 days. You can make it to make it eight rounds over 10 days or something, however you want to slice it. Yeah. But the playoffs, like the city, a city gets a playoff series. This, the, they play four different golf courses throughout the series and it's got a little bit more of a shootout feel and it does like the regular season doesn't matter because right now I think the regular season pays a little bit too much, like it plays too much weight in how people do in the playoffs and how they want to structure their playoffs. And that's not, there's no value in that. Like they seed you in other sports, you get the one through eight seed, which makes a difference in your matchup. But I mean, at the end of the day, like if you win the game, you win the game and move on. And number one seeds go home all the time. So there needs to be that fear, you know, where if Dustin Johnson is the number one seed, but he shoots 75 in the very first round of the playoffs, all of a sudden he's scrambling to try to make the top 70 for the first cut, you know? I like it. I mean, it, it does actually sound very interesting. Now, just just to make sure I'm on board, because you actually said something that I had not thought of before that is, a, I think, a super excellent idea. And that is, do you assign a city or a metro area the entirety of the playoffs, similar to the way they do it in like the Olympics, where like, hey, you know, London, you have the Olympics, or you know, like say the San Francisco Bay Area, or you know, Orange County, Los Angeles, or San Diego, you guys are hosting the playoffs. All rounds of the playoffs are going to be just in this region, and then you flip, you know, where each you know region may rotate, getting the the playoffs every couple of years. Am, am, did I follow that part right? Exactly, exactly. So you could go like, all right, we're going we're going to Texas this year, and we're going to go to Dallas, Fort Worth, and like all. 
eight rounds of the playoffs are going to be in Dallas Fort Worth. So it's like you can come anytime over the course of the next eight rounds, whatever you want. And then, you know, the Metro City can be like, all right, we're hosting the playoffs this year. And it can be kind of like a, a proud thing. And then you could showcase it and then you could do it. So the final event, like uh, the the 30, the, the final two rounds of the of the playoffs could be done somewhere like really cool. You know, there's not a lot of players. The golf course won't get a lot of play. So you could do it at somewhat some of the more prestigious clubs in whatever area, I think it would entice them to play a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you wouldn't have to set up as many grandstands. You wouldn't have to do anything like that. It could be a little bit more of a low key thing since there's less players, you know, and there's less logistics that go into having only 30 guys on the golf course. Mm-hmm. So you could, it, it could almost be like the prize, you know, like if you went to San Francisco, they could do it. So they play, you know, they play Harding Olympic and you could even do like something cool where like the first the first two rounds of the playoffs are at Olympic Ocean, which is just easy and it's going to be a, a firing fest, you know, and then the next two would be at Lake and then the next two would be at Harding and then the final oh. two could be somewhere like Cow Club or something like that. And it's like, OK, we can host it here. It's only 30 players. We can we can accommodate that for two days. You know, it's not even like a full week affair. It's just like you could close the golf course for a week and have only the pros out there for two days and boom, that's it, you know, and the Metro city would be all proud of hosting their playoffs and you wouldn't have to limit it just to the U S you know, you could go to Tokyo for the playoffs. It's like, right this year, you know, the Fed, the PGA tour FedEx cup playoffs are in Tokyo for some reason. And we're going out there or we're going to do it in Australia this year. And we're going to do the Royal Melbourne and, and uh, Metro loop for the playoffs, but you could do it like in different areas of the world, especially since it's a world tour. And the PGA Tour is talking about how they want to become like that world tour. This would be a really easy way to do it. Like make your feature event, which in theory is the playoffs, like feature it a little bit more and and shop it around. Take it places and see see how that drums up interest based on where it goes. Sure. Oh, this is fascinating. All right. So I like yours. Can I – I hate to be this guy, but can I share with you my dream for the FedEx Cup playoffs? I'm, I'm, Hit me with your dream. I'm going to share with you my idea – and then I'm actually going to quickly touch on an article that uh, I was reading earlier from on GolfDigest.com about some potential changes to the 2019 playoffs to kind of see how your idea, my idea, and the new idea all stack up with one another. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. Hit me with it. Okay, so here's my thought. For the FedEx Cup playoffs, I love the fact that we're keeping this thing in like a region. I want to steal that. I'm going to use that and have it be on like three different golf courses is kind of what I'm thinking, okay? Okay. First thing okay. First, first. Thing first. Mine is going to be a three-part playoffs, okay? It's kind of like a crazy championship, but it's basically also like a playoff format in that people are getting narrowed down the way that they would in a normal playoff situation. So here's how we're going to do it. Instead of having, you know, cutting it down to 100 players, I want 128 people to make it to the playoffs. However, it seems like there are a few things that would work better than having basically, you know, the old... You know, metric for how well you're doing the money list what's wrong with just judging things by the money list first of all 128 people is how many guys i want to see make it into this turn you know make it into the playoffs okay and i say 128 for a very specific number and i say any guy that wins on the tour gets an automatic bid right into it and then however many guys after that that haven't won the rest of the top of the money list fills out the 128 person playoffs all right with me so far I'm with you so far. So the first leg of the playoffs, just like you, they're going to play 36 holes. They're going to play two rounds. All right. Nobody is getting cut after those two rounds. This is going to be for seeding. All right. This is going to be for seeding. Something else will kind of have to go into it. These, you know, these uh, 128 of the best golfers in the world 
are going to play. Well, actually, no. I mean, I guess technically there could be a cut. We could go to 64 because 64 is half of uh, half of 128. But irregardless, have that nice big chunky number and either cut it down to 64 or keep it at 128 for those first 36 holes, and that's going to be for seeding. All right, you, you 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 get where I'm going with this right now. I think I know where you're going with we're, this, we're but going, I can't I can't wait to hear you break this down. It, it, it's a little U.S. amateur format like, but with a little twist. Okay, so after we get everybody seated, then we go to match play. Match play, the fact that there's no match play in the playoffs defies logic because everything that people understand about the playoffs and how a playoff works in a sport should be single elimination, head on, head to head, and like. Match play provides that. Match play is the perfect, perfect place to, you know, for you know, the FedEx Cup playoffs and match play seem like a match made in heaven. The fact that there's no match play in it baffles me to this day. So, winner go home, baby. Winner go home. Exactly right, my friend. And so, you, let's say we let's say we keep the 128 guys, right? Right. Well, we have 128 guys. That means we are going to have, let's say, eight different brackets of 16 golfers, right? For a total of 128 guys. So. If you have 16 golfers, that's going to get narrowed down to 8, then to 4, then to 1, right? So then you have three rounds of match play to identify the winners of each of the eight uh, each of the eight brackets. You with me so far, my dude? Oh, yeah. I'm right here, dude. Okay, I'm right so, here. But they, so through those first two days, they've been seated, and then they go through three rounds of match play, all right? Each guy getting eliminated. At the end of the three rounds of match play, there is going to be eight golfers remaining, all right? Now, tell me this wouldn't be a hit. Those eight guys, only the eight of them, go out for either a 36 or a 72-hole tournament. Just the eight of them, either playing in four twosomes or two foursomes with just an entire herd of people following them. I'm not like, you know, limited amount of ropes, people following the guys in the fairways because there's so few guys out there. Think Tiger and Rocco on Monday at Torrey Pines, but with like four to eight guys instead of just two for the championship where you have all of the attention just focused on this small little group of guys and have that be the nerve-wracking championship. And the winner that comes out of that, either 36 or 72-hole format, gets to be the playoff winner. What are your, what are your thoughts? I love that. And I love how you kind of like sandwiched match play in between the two stroke play events. I think that's kind of cool because it gives it that... It kind of does both. It gives you the the value and consistency while also giving it the winner-go-home mentality. Yes. I... I I love the idea also of the limited grandstands ropes down kind of walking with these guys a little bit because I think that would just give it like a really fun feel for the final event. You know, it's like, hey, all, for all the marbles and we're just kind of we're just here to watch. You know, it's not a big parade. It's not a big show. It's just it's just the best players from the season here trying to win 10 mil, baby. Yes, my friend. And that, this thing is like you could actually in theory like cut the field down to like, say, 64 after those first two rounds, and then maybe just have four brackets of 16 guys where you only have four, like four players at the end of it. But Now, granted, the round of golf would probably take six hours, but can you imagine, like, if you, like, had a four-day tournament, of uh, like a two- to four-day tournament with just a single foursome where it's like you basically have the entire golf course, however many thousands of people are out there spectating and putting on golf are just following one group all day? Like, how wild would that be? Again, it... I get goosebumps like one of my single favorite moments of golf as I think we've discussed on this podcast is that Tiger Rocco playoff and the fact that the USGA got rid of the Monday playoff for the US Open still makes my balls ache it, it, it really upsets me in a in a really in a way that just really 
gets you at your core, yeah, man. Yeah, I, again, I, I, I can't even talk because I'm just so disappointed. And that to have that same kind of feel, like, that's exactly what a championship match is supposed to feel like. And if you could replicate something that resembles that into the playoff, I think it would be a home run. I think so, too. And I think we're both kind of hitting on the same point where there needs to be a little bit more of a uh, feeling of, of of risk or a feeling of, of danger in the way you play. You know, like if you do not play good, you can go home, which right now I feel like it doesn't really have that because you're, you're going off the points that you've built throughout the season and you're kind of just cruise and cruise and cruise until you get to the end. And it's it's it shouldn't be like that. Like you should be scared for your air quotations life, you know, or you should be scared for your your life in the playoffs. And you should have the ability to lose that at any point if you play poorly. Um, and whether or not you want to find that through match play or find that feeling through less rounds and more cuts, like I, I don't really know how what the correct answer is. But there needs to be more of a sense of of loss when when you're in the playoffs like the risk should be apparent and and palpable honestly and, and it's just not right now i agree man and so this is where i actually want to bring up a uh, article that i read on golfdigest.com it was published yesterday august 27th 2018 by brian wacker uh great name brian wacker of uh of golf world and golf digest incredible name it is an incredible name now i'm, I'm paraphrasing here but i'm jumping in uh to the third paragraph here where i says quote Starting in 2019, the tour is hoping to abandon its point system at the tour championship for something more traditional, or at least officials hope it will be easier to comprehend for viewers and fans. The FedEx Cup leader going into the season finale will begin the tournament at 10 under par, with the rest of the scores for the 30-man field staggered based on their position in the standings. Wait a minute. My dude, like, okay, do, I will read it for you one more time. For everybody who's listening out there, the FedEx Cup leader going into the season finale will begin the tournament at 10 under par with the rest of the scores for the 30-man field staggered on their position. More simply put, the winner... I hate that. <laughs> I fuck. I hate everything about that. That's terrible. Do they really want to do that? This is this is straight out. Of, so I mean, they. Uh, let me see here. It says more. No, though, that goes back to my fucking point earlier, where it's like uh, they shouldn't. The, the the consistency of the season shouldn't be valued too highly in the playoffs because you want to have the risk of the best guy potentially losing if he has a bad day. Like the the if the Patriots are the number one seed and Tom Brady throws four picks in the playoffs, they're going home, dude. Fuck their fifteen and one. They out, bro. Well, see, that, that's the thing is they said that uh I just let's see here. All right. I'm, I'm gonna continue reading here just a little bit for you, my friend. Just see if we can't uh see see if we can't un- try to understand what they're talking about right now. It says more simply put, the winner of the tournament will win the FedEx Cup thus avoiding the awkward scenario of having one player win the Tour Championship and another the FedEx Cup, something that took place for the second time last year at Eastlake. Quote, a point system confuses people, said veteran Jeff Ogilvy, also a member of the Tour's Player Advisory Council. Quote, once the first round starts at the Tour Championship, everyone understands everyone's position. Right, right. I see I, what he's getting at. I see what he's getting at, I and I like it. the. I still, I still hate, it. hate it. I still hate it, and I like. So I like the. I like what they're trying to do. Where the point system, I agree, is hard to keep track of, and it doesn't give people much perspective on where they stand. 
but th- that's I don't think that you should adjust people's score or starting positions like it's a fucking NASCAR race, you know? Like I, I, that's not what I'm about, dude. I, I think that you I think to that on it's NASCAR there, brother. Gentlemen, no, no, I'm not. I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, no, I'm nothing but love for NASCAR. I may not get it, but that doesn't mean I hate it. But, uh, okay. but I'm just saying, like, there's, like, I think there's better ways to do that. I think that if you just have, short, like, shorter intervals and less rounds in between cuts, and then the final two rounds just being a shootout, like everyone's at zero, like no one, everyone's at even par, and no one has any points. Whoever wins wins. You guys, you thirty made it this far, like. You clearly had the consistency of the season and performed well in the last couple weeks to get here. Or maybe we could even cut that number down to 30. So in my system, we'd go, let's say we go 150, 30, 15. You know, we could do it like that. We could cut it in half all the way down. And then at the end, it's 15 guys balling out who've made it to the final who have a chance to win. Because realistically, I think right now with the points, with the point system, it's like I think last year only the like top eight guys had a chance to win based on what everyone else in the field did, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you get it down to fifteen, then it's like okay, you know, it's already there's only a few of those guys that have a chance to win. But if you get fifteen, then all of a sudden all of them have a chance to win, and they've they've made it through the gauntlet of the playoffs of shortcuts, and they played well all season because they clearly made it to the playoffs. And that's why I like the idea of taking less guys to the playoffs because it's like 125 guys. That used to be the same amount of people who kept their card. If you were top 125 on the list, that means you kept your card. Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't get to go to the playoffs just because you get to play in the, in the NFL the next year. You know, like <laughs> that's like it's like congratulations, the Browns. You guys are still the organization. Like you guys are still an organization. You get a playoff berth. It's like no, you the the cream of the creme should get a playoff berth, and that that's why it should be cut down a little bit. So top 125 keep their card. 101 to 20, 125 pack your bags your season's over you didn't play well enough to make the playoffs and then we just start cutting people down after 100 man i don't know i don't know i'm obviously married to my idea but i mean who doesn't like their own ideas sure. and and i'm curious to see if they go with the with the uh the pole position scores next year well they said it's going to vary between 10 under where the the point leader would be all the way down to 30th place would start off at even par so there would be a 10 stroke disparity between the you know the leader in the FedEx Cup chase versus the guy who squeaks in with the 30th and final position for the Tour Championship, but it also says uh, this is another little bit I just uh, I just glanced over here. It says there will also be just three playoff events, as previously announced. With this week's Dell Technologies Championship going away after this year and the first leg of the playoffs, the Northern Trust alternating between New York and Boston every other year. The reduction from four to three will help enable the season to come to a close. The week before Labor Day. See, I like that. See, I'm okay with three events. See, yeah. we can do, we can totally stagger. When we can stagger my system again for only three events. But so they're they're trying to get the same thing. They're they're going after the same thing a little bit. They're getting less rounds and having it having it include more people at the end. That's what you want. You want it to happen quicker, and you want more people to have a chance to win at the end. So. I don't know. You're, the staggered scoring thing seems just weird because, like, why would you give the guy who's number one a lead? I still like, hate the fact that it's always going to be in Boston and New York, too. Like, why, this is the playoffs, man. Like, they don't just hold the World Series in New York every year. It's like, I, I don't know. Your idea of, like, switching it up and actually, like, I don't know, maybe having a playoff event in the most populated state in the country, like, maybe, I, I don't know. Is, is that possible? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's totally possible. Or you could even do it like statewide. So it's like it doesn't even have to be like metro area. It's like, okay, like this year, California hosts the playoffs. Sick. They're going to have an event at one of the events is at Torrey Pines. One of the events is at Riviera and one of the events is at Pebble. Like so easy. And you hit all three areas of California. You hit three courses that they already play on tour, Mm -hmm. three good courses. And you get like, you know, it kind of makes it fun for for the for the people of California. Or you could do like. You could go anywhere, dude. You could go to Tennessee and you could do Memphis where they do the FedEx St. Jude, which I mean, isn't a great golf course, but you could, I mean, you could host an event there and it'd be easy and you could, you could just take it to States and it would be sick. Cause then there's a little bit of pride on like, Hey, the playoffs are coming here. You know, let's see if we get what happens when we get the best golfers. Exactly. Maybe it's just, it's just one more way they could amp up and get people excited for the playoffs being like, Hey, the playoffs this year are going to be taking place in this. And like, if people, if, if you had like a little bit of a rotation and you let people know beforehand what courses they're going to be at and you know like there's a lot of, you know, a lot at stake, people would probably be looking into the golf course a little bit more in advance, kind of the way they do for some of the majors and stuff like that, where they're, you know, they're studying the golf course for weeks beforehand, kind of prepping themselves to watch these guys duke it out. And f- I, I mean, again, I guess in theory, they could do that for the, you know, the courses they're playing at the current FedEx Cup playoffs, but they, they just don't because the, the playoffs as they stand right now, they, they just got no juice. They have no they juice. Got, they got no juice, man. They got absolutely no juice. But I do like the resounding theme of, of less rounds. Like 16 rounds for the playoffs is absurd. Like Agreed. you could even get it down to nine. You could do three three-day events. And then there's a and then there's a like there's a cut after each three days. It's it's just there's so many other ways to do it. You know, you want to change up the format, you want to make it quick, you want to make it easy to digest and you want people to understand that if this person doesn't perform right now, they are not going to continue playing. Yeah. I love it, dude. I love it. When, when do we, where do I send my resume for PGA tour commissioner? I'm oh, ready for that role. Well, hey, it's funny that you should mention that. So, uh, according to, uh, your boy, Jeff Shackelford, who, by the way, did you ever hear back from him after you, uh, if you reached out to him on Twitter for no showing to the, uh, the event that we were at a couple Octobers ago, the shack house. Yeah, he did actually, oh, uh, and I, I was, I sarcastically was giving him crap about the fact that, uh, because he had to go watch that, the Dodgers that, lose the World Series. I mean, he was busy. yeah. And I told him I was giving him crap. I was like, yeah, and you know, I mean, I understand why you took that opportunity to go watch the Dodgers play in the World Series because you know they probably won't make it again anytime soon. <laughs> and he, and he just, and he just, and he kind of just chuckled and uh, he sent me like a ha ha and was just like, we'll see. I think was his response. And then I, fe- I actually felt terrible when they lost because. That's a that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, it is a tough one. It's one of those things where like Jeff Shackelford is very obviously like a nerd, but I really, really like Jeff Shackelford. I, I think for the most like ninety percent of the stuff that Jeff Shackelford pushes, I happen to find very interesting and, and, and thought provoking. And uh speak, so speaking of the man, he actually just had a post today at JeffShackelford.com uh, explaining why the PGA of America has a brand new CEO and his name is Seth Waugh. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> the former du- Deutsche Bank CEO and current PGA of America advisory board member has recently been announced as Pete Bavakwa's replacement. So he's not going to be the CEO of the PGA Tour, uh, but he is going to be the CEO of the PGA of America, overseeing the whole kit and caboodles. All of the teaching professionals out there that once upon a time you had a very strong familiarity with, my friend. Well, this is cool. Hopefully he takes the Ryder Cup up a notch. Hopefully he takes the PGA Championship up a notch. I mean, it's just, well, we're going to see where it goes. You know, the PGA of America is clearly a strong organization. A lot of players, a lot of tournaments, a lot of big things. And, and they're crowning 
they're crowning two events are the Ryder Cup, which I love, and the PGA Championship, which could use a little bit of a facelift. So if if he can bring both of those level with each other or, or raise the bar on both of those, I think that's the biggest challenge facing him. And let's see what he's got, bro. Let's see what he's got. I Deutsche agree. Bank is no Deutsche Bank is no joke, dude. Oh. So if he can run Deutsche Bank, he'll be fine. No, I agree. And uh, it's kind of funny, too, because I always forget that the PGA of America and the PGA Tour are two very, very different entities. And the one thing that Shackelford is asking, you know, readers and stuff like that is, is, is this, uh, you know, is the new appointment of Mr. Seth Waugh, is it going to create a stronger partnership with the PGA Tour uh, or possibly even a merger? And he says probably not a merger, but I do wonder if the two organizations will, I guess, be linked closer. And just in your opinion, as somebody who's, you know, a lot more familiar with the PGA of America than I am, do you think that's beneficial? I mean, do you do you really notice the difference between the two guys? And do you think if there is a little bit of, you know, a stronger partnership between the two, that they could have enough influence to actually possibly do some things like make the FedEx Cup playoffs better? Or, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of just rambling at this point. But do, do you have any thoughts, basically? Yeah, I mean, the, the the difference is felt, or like the separation is felt, especially when you're in the PGA of America. You know that you're part of, it's very, it's explicitly made to you that you're part of the PGA of America. You know, and the PGA Tour is its own beast that operates separately. Um, for nothing else other than namesake. Like, if you both have PGA in there, why aren't you under the same roof, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's just like... Not to say that they should change the PGA Tour or the PGA of America's name, but like, come on, you both got PGA in there. You both are a professional golfers association. Yeah, there's different tiers of professional golfers, but there's different tiers of professional basketball players too, bro. There's dudes that play in the D League yeah. and dudes that play in Europe. Like, and they don't have the same name, but I, you know, you know the difference. You know the difference. I think yeah. like, I think that uh, I think that that putting them all under one roof is is good, and I think it's better, and I think they should. I think they should merge. And then I think I think the PGA of America should be like the guiding body for all professional golfers and the PGA Tour should be the, you know, the subsidiary of the PGA of America. I think it only makes sense. I, I completely agree. It seems like the it seems like the uh, PGA of America should be the, you know, the the head honcho, whereas, you know, the umbrella, if you will, with the, the PGA Tour operating under uh, under its cover up. So, yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense to me. Um, quick side note, my friend, since we are on a limited you know, we, we have a, a very small budget of time to work with. Before I have to let you go, I need a couple minutes. I have not spoken to you since the last two major championships took place in 2018. I know that we got together to do a little bit of a preview for the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills, but then, then things went a little wonky, and our boy, my guy, the reason that I fell in love with professional golf to begin with, the man himself was in contention in Sunday on the last two majors of the year, and I have not got to ask you about any of this. So I, I need your general thoughts on Tiger at the Open Championship, Tiger at the PGA Championship, and on 2018's major season as a whole. What do you got for me, brother? I'll tackle the last question first yeah. before yeah. we get into Big Cat because Big, okay. Big Cat will dominate the conversation once true. we get there. This is true. 2008 major season, awesome. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Like, you got... The boy Patrick Reed went in the Masters, which is by far and away the biggest disappointment of the major season as far as <laughs> fan favorites. But but I'm not going to be mad at a young American winning a major during in a Ryder Cup year. You know, I'm not sure. going to be mad about it. I'm not going to be mad about the Masters ever. Like the Masters is awesome. It's, it's always it's, fun it's, to watch. It's really tough to fuck the Masters up. It's really tough to fuck the Masters up. It's great to watch. Not my favorite champion, but like I said, uh, who am I to complain about a 27 year old at the time? 
American winning a major. That's yeah. sick. It's sick watching yeah. young Americans win. Shinnecock, obviously awesome. Brooks dominated and just and just never looked like he was going to lose. The Open Championship and the PGA, also incredible majors. Carnoustie played completely different than it did in 2007. In 2007, it was wet. It was windy. It was long. It was brutal. 1999, the year before, the previous time it had hosted, more of the same long, wet, brutal, tough. And we got to see a little bit of everything from Carnoustie this year. We had a couple days where it played tough. We had a couple days where it played easy. We saw a burnt-out Carnoustie where guys were nearly driving the green on one. When in 2007, dudes were hitting driver pitching wedge in there. It's it. We saw a Carnoustie that I'd never, ever, ever seen before, and I didn't think I'd ever see. I remember talking to a bunch of buddies about what the overrunner on the winning score was, and, and it wasn't super low. Uh, I don't think it got to double digits under par, but... Uh, but they were putting the over-under at like 14, and I was like, guys, I think the winning score in 2007 was 6-under, and in 1999 was 1-over. So it's like it was cool to see some more birdies get made at Carnoustie, and it was cool to see Big Cat in contention. I, I never felt like... I, I, I never felt like... I don't know. I, I, I never felt like he was going to lose. It was really weird. And, and it's totally opposite than the PGA Championship, because the PGA Championship, I never felt he was going to win. I felt uh, I felt like he never had a chance really at the PGA, but at the Open it was like once he took the lead and went into the back nine, it's like there's he won. Like I, I basically gave him the trophy. You and uh, everybody else, it seemed like on the uh, in the golf universe, at least from what I could tell from the uh, the social medias, at least. And and it dissipated so quickly too, and so like and so subtly. It was just like, okay, he's got the lead. He's going to win. He's going into the back nine. He's going to win. He hit that shot on 10 out of the fairway pop bunker. I'm like, dude, he is going to win this damn thing. And Francesco just kept making pars, and it was like, okay, well, pars are good, but Tiger, like, come on. He's going to win. Yeah, it's he's going to fucking win. And then even when he hit the bad flop shot, it was still like, okay, well, he's still got it. You know, he's still got it. So it was weird. It felt weird. That one felt like when it was over, I didn't, I didn't, it's like I didn't believe it. I was like, wait, 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 it's done? Are you sure? He well, there's lost. he actually lost? Are you are you sure? Is everything okay? Uh and and Francesco obviously played great golf. Like if you shoot a bogey free three under par on the final day of a major, you should win. Like yes. that's 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 there's no I mean, if you, I bet if you looked back at major champions that have done that have gone bogey free in the final rounds that uh, that were somewhere in the last three or four groups, I bet all of them win. Like that's just that's just a winning formula yeah, when it like comes to major champions. Where, yeah, it's like one of those stats where even if it's not true, you kind of feel like it should be yeah exactly like that's a winning formula that's a way to win majors and then the pga championship just never felt close like brooks just ran away with it and it never he looked strong even after he bogeyed four and five on the the final day tiger was never really that close he got close on after nine he birdied nine and he got kind of close but but he never like and I never felt he was going to win. It was I was we ever I felt like the whole time you were watching you were just waiting for brooks to fuck up and then when brooks birdied seven eight nine it was like there's no way like that's that's too much momentum like that that that's it's going to take an epic collapse for that kind of momentum to come down and there's no real trouble until 16 the hardest hole on that back nine is 16 the 240 yard par three and dude just flags it to like four feet it's like all right it's done dude it's done this is brooks's championship brooks is a steely motherfucker and he just picked up another major like a goddamn animal so and that was another sick one, man. He's 28. You see another young American already have three majors. Like, that's awesome. And, like, people – Brooks got a lot of flack in the media, and all those articles came out about how none of the, nobody in media wanted to talk to Brooks and how Brooks is boring and yada, yada. And, like, I don't really care. 
about any of that stuff. Like it's hard not to get excited about a 28 year old American with three majors. Like that's awesome. Like that's so, so cool. So two questions about Brooks for you then. It sounds like you might've already answered one thoughts on Brooks Kepka, the golfer. It's, it's, it's borderline perfect. Like it's just, it's borderline perfect. Like he hits the shit out of the ball. He plays smart golf. He plays to his strengths and he makes putts. Yeah. It's like the dude the dude doesn't really like yeah he fires at flags but he doesn't miss golf shots, doesn't miss fairways and then is totally content like leaving himself 15 footers all day except when he has wedges in his hand. And that's what he does. Yeah. He hits like 7, 8, 6 irons, he hits those to 15, 20 feet, makes a few of them and then when he's got a wedge in his hand he fires it right at at the flag and most of the time is inside a 10 foot circle. Yeah. It's like that's 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 awesome. Like for me as a golf fan like I love his game. I love everything about his game. And yeah. it's tough to be when it's on. Like Tiger said, if he's hitting the 340 and a flipping wedges inside 10 feet, like you do that 10 times, man, you're going to have a real tough time beating him. Yeah, man. My take was like he basically did to everybody at the PGA Championship what we got used to watching Tiger do to everybody else throughout like, you know, the, t- the early 2000s. It, I mean, obviously it's not totally the same, but it had a it had an eerily kind of similar vibe where like he was just able to do things that everybody else couldn't. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And and he knew it too. Like I never felt like he was scared. You know, like when Tiger used to make charges, people would get scared and you'd see bogeys start to happen. You'd see mistakes get made. You'd see weird things happening. And with with Brooks, he just looked strong, bro. He just looked strong and in control, calm, cool, collected, just playing golf, just doing what he does every single day and doing it well. So there was the way I saw it, there was no way he was going to lose that major. Yes. All right. And then the second part of my question, and this will be the final one before I let you go, my man. Thoughts on Brooks Kepka? the man if you have any i have no, i have none i don't know enough about him and i think that's part of his shtick and what i don't you, think what do you think up. about his statement where he says i'm not a golfer i'm an athlete i don't like golfers i don't like golf nerds i'm an athlete not a golfer what are your thoughts when you hear that I, so he doesn't like me who cares dude like i i like golf and i am a golf nerd and i love everything about golf like i will forgive your statements if you play sick golf and one of what brooks kepka does he plays sick fucking golf golf, dude he plays sick sick golf so who cares man i'm a weirdo like golf nerds are weird bro we'll talk about we'll talk about golf forever if he doesn't like golf that's fine like i'm down to watch him i'm down to watch him flag it from 240 with a four iron dude like i am down to hit it on a rope right in the middle like i'm down and if he doesn't like golf well, I feel bad for him because he's really good at it, and you should like things that you're really good at. I and agree. he's, and if he doesn't like it, that's fine. Poor guy, he lives in a jail cell of of a ten million dollar house, winning majors and being a hall of famer. But I mean, whatever. Like if that's the way he wants to approach his life, I'll let him do it. But uh, but it doesn't bother me at all, man. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm, I'm I like Brooks, and I like watching him play good golf. It's very good. You're a you're a far more compassionate and understanding golf fan than I am, my friend. Yeah, I could, I could, I could feel you getting a little mad. I could feel you getting heated. I felt like you were waiting for me to say, like, "Fuck that guy." No, I mean, it's like that's the thing. It's like I, I know that I am a little harsher, perhaps, than a lot of other people. And my thing is, like, I don't have a problem with what he's saying. I just don't want him to say that and then like suck up to the media and pretend like he's just like, "Oh yeah, I have this, I have this." And I say, like, if you're gonna be a douchebag, just go full heel and get just like go full villain. Like, if he just like went like. Yeah, I hate all of you guys. I hate golf. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, and he was just a, just a dick to everybody. I actually could totally jump on board. 
it's this two-faced bullshit where he like tries to be this cool guy oh yeah i'm an athlete i don't even like it's like fuck you bro like golf nerds are the only reason you actually are able to make millions of dollars a year like don't don't just don't say stupid shit like that unless you want to go full heel you know what well, I mean? Dude, like, don't, don't, I respect, don't, don't I respect his honesty, dude. I respect. I don't feel like he's waffling though. I respect his honesty. He's like, yo, like golf nerds are lame, and like I don't like golf. But he doesn't ever. He doesn't. I don't feel like he ever goes back against that. You know, he just kind of like says it and then does his does his part. You know, answers answers the questions for media and and moves on. I, I'm I'm okay with the brutal honesty. I'm okay. I'm, I'm give me truth, man. Rather than what's that? Uh, it's the I can't. Remember, I don't know if it's Ralph Waldo Emerson or Henry David Thoreau, one of those guys. But it's like, rather than money, rather than fame, give me truth. It's like, dude, Brooks is just hitting you with hard truths, and if it's not your fault if you don't like those truths, man. I mean, it is. I, this is this is very selfish. It's mostly about me. Let's let's just put it right that out for everybody. It's mostly about me. However, I just. He's just so unlikable. It's so tough for me to root for Brooks Koepka because he just he's seems str- like— He's a strapping young American with a chiseled body yes. who plays perfect golf. Like, yeah. what's not to like, dude? He's olive skin. He's a handsome man. Like, he's incredibly marketable. Like, what? what is, what's not to like besides the fact that he openly told you that he doesn't like the thing that he dominates? Uh, Really, he just— he just gives me a douchebag vibe. He actually technically hasn't done a whole lot of stuff wrong other than disrespecting our boy Alan Shipnook. The disrespect that he throws at Alan actually I think is probably what makes me as angry as anything else. Other yeah, that, I did read about that. Other, I did read about him kicking Alan out. That, that is kind of tough. That, it's like, bro, come on. Like, I don't know. I, I would love to get the full story on that because the way that Alan Shipnook writes it, it doesn't seem like that he's like kind of blindsided as to why Brooks Kepp was so blindly angry at him. Whereas, like, I, I'm sure there's a different part of the story that I would love to hear. But anyway, that's enough of me ranting on Brooks. He guy's a, I mean, dude, the guy's a three-time major winner. The guy's won as many major championships as Jordan Spieth. And Jordan Spieth's been crowned the golden boy for, like, the last five years. Brooks is an incredible golfer. 75% of his wins are majors, bro. Big game hunter. I mean, dude, like, it's sick. As, as, even though my I don't like Brooks Kepka the man, the fact of the matter is... The guy's all balls. He's there's there's no JV in Brooks Kepka's golf game. He's all balls, and that all and, balls. And I do respect that. I love that, dude. I love that. Well, I mean, you you got to game respect game, bro. You just have to you just have exactly. to take your hat off to the the three time major champ. Exactly, and you know, and he's got a nice little side piece. So I guess you know, a guy you know that 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 strapping and that handsome, I guess deserves to have a you know a hot busty blonde on his side. So good 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 for him, I guess. At a boy, Brooksy, let's right. go. He's well, going to dominate the Ryder Cup, baby, undefeated. Say you heard it here first. I'll tell you what, if he helps the U.S. just absolutely kick the living dog crap out of Europe, you know, I, it might go a long way in, uh, you know, mending my personal uh, my personal angst towards Mr. Kepka. So on that note, my friend, I know you've got to go somewhere. Before I let you take off, is there anything else you want to let the, the listeners of the Golf Guide podcast know? Where can they find your podcast? Where can they find you? Guys, you know where I'm at. Find me at No Gimmies on Instagram, NoGimmies.io on the web, and wherever you get your podcasts, just search No Gimmies for uh, for all of your golfing needs, guys. Kyle, dude, this was so fun, man. Thanks for having me on. Christopher Durr, you are a stone-cold golfing savage. Thank you again, my friend. Always a pleasure. Let's, uh, let's do this again. Actually, you know what? We're going to have you back sometime in the next month or two to go over all things San Diego golf. So, everybody, be on the lookout for that. I would consider myself an expert, so I'm happy to share my expertise <laughs> with with ever with all of your listeners about where where to play and where not to play down here in the great county of San Diego. Awesome! I'm looking forward to it, brother. All right, Chris, thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Later, Beast.